Why are you here this morning? Is it the thing to do on a Sunday morning? We go out and sit with other people and lose sleep when you could have slept in. Why are you here? If you're like me, you're here because there is someone who has done something for you that's so great, that's so vast, that's so deep, that you could not not be here. Can I use double negatives? You know, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, His only Son. And the greatest expression of love is giving. We've said that many times in this house. And so, for you and I, of giving not just of our time, but we give our finances, we give our, our lives, our relationships, every part of us, as an act of love and worship to the Father, we give ourselves to Him. For His service, for His purposes, for His desires. And as we look at the Father, and and we've been hearing about being transformed into His image, and as we look at the Father, certainly we begin to reflect Him in greater degree and we become like Him. And so when people look at you, they begin to see a replica of the Father. A replica of Jesus. And so this morning, we are gathered together to recenter, realign, refocus on why are we here and what are we doing. And we're here to carry out the work of the kingdom of light. There's only two things going on in the earth today, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you're in one or the other. And if you're in the kingdom of light, then there's an assignment that has been given to you and I that we have to carry out and we're going to answer to the Father for this assignment whether we do it or not. Because we signed up on the dotted line and said, I'm in. And when you said, I'm in, that means that I'm yours and I'll do what you tell me. I'm no longer my own. And so for each one of us, the general assignment is the same, but the individual precise method of that assignment can vary and be different, right? One person is called to finance the kingdom. Another person is called to go to the country where the financing is being done for, right? So it takes every part of it. And so this morning, I'm going to begin by... Actually, before I read here, I want to... As I I look up and was praying yesterday, really, last night... um, For those of you that don't know, Saturday evening from 6 to 8, we have a time of prayer here in the building and... And I would love to see everybody there. If the, if the uh, downstairs gets too full that we have to move the prayer upstairs, that would be a good night. And um, because prayer is the most important thing that we can do. Everything is built from that. Jesus instructed us to pray. He prayed a lot. And certainly He wouldn't have prayed if it wouldn't have been of any value. But prayer changes things. Prayer shapes history. Prayer is the... Well, it's where you're going to get your marching orders, Right? What do I do today? What's his assignment for for tomorrow? And so it's in that time of prayer Saturday night. And I was up here in the sanctuary praying and I'm looking up at all the uh, different flags and the places where you and I have invested time and energy and prayer and and finances and thinking about how they... There's a great harvest out there to be brought in and how that we're in this harvest season. And as I'm thinking those things, I'm, I'm also thinking about the culture we live in and how our culture is so broken and, and there's so many places that 
we look around and we go, well, we, we know that the fix is Jesus. Right? It's not, it's not just getting in people a morality or legislating morality. Because you can't legislate a heathen heart into morality. You can't make them be right. They still have their evil desires. So, but a heart that is sold out to the Lord and the Father has made His home, that heart doesn't need the legislated morality, right? Because that heart lives at a higher principle, on a higher truth, on a higher plane. And so as I was looking up at our flag and, and thinking about our nation and all the places that just need Jesus, you know, you and I as the church, it's our responsibility. And, and really, I believe that much of the failure in this nation is due to the church not living out the Great Commission in our, in our own neighborhoods, in our own places. You know, if you just get the whole nation born again and serving Jesus, half the arguments that are going on wouldn't even exist. So, before we, before we uh, let's pray. Father, we just present ourselves to You this morning. And we look to do one thing, Lord, and one thing only, and that is align ourselves with You and Your purposes in the kingdom of light in this season on this planet. Lord, we know, we've, we've read the instruction You've given us, and we know that You have a purpose and a plan for the whole earth, and Lord, here we are, send us. Send us to our neighbors, send us to our family, send us to the uttermost part of the earth. We are Yours and we submit to Your will, to Your plan, to Your purpose. Father, I lift up these United States of America to You and I just ask for a revival in Your church, in Your people in this land. Father, a renewed hunger, a renewed um, awareness on the inside of Your presence. Father, that we would the church in this land would forsake their ways of lukewarmness, forsake their love of the world, and fully be surrendered to You and to Your desires and plan and purposes. Lord, I ask that You would grant repentance to the heathen of this nation, those that have not made You the Lord of, your, of, of their life, Father, that by Your Spirit You would draw them and encounter them, send workers to them to minister the simple Gospel the good news. I thank You, Father, for doing this. And Lord, we lift up every missionary, every, every one of these flags around this room, Lord, of all the places that we have preached the Gospel. Well, Father, I ask that You would cause a great increase in those places to come into the Kingdom. An increase of souls, an awareness of light. Father, that You would open up eyes to see and ears to hear the truth as it is ministered, and that You enable every mouth to be that minister. In Jesus' name, and Amen. Now, if we've prayed the prayer of faith, that means that we're going to expect the things that we just prayed to happen. And that we're going to start seeing difference. In Matthew 28, here in just a moment, I'm going to ask Apostle Dale to come up, and I'll talk uh, a little bit more about that here in, in, in a moment. But let's start off with the marching orders that we've been given. In Matthew 28, 
Jesus is speaking, and in verse 18, he says, Then Jesus came near and said to them, this is right before his ascension, and he gives them final instructions. And I like how he begins because he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Basically, he's saying, in all the authority in heaven and on earth, based upon this authority is the instruction that I give you next. So if we pay attention to anything in life, it needs to be what he said next. You know, the American dream is something that many people from around the world want to ascribe to and want to come to this nation and and be a part of the American dream. However, we're called to something so much higher than the American dream, than than the house that's paid for in the white picket fence. There's nothing wrong with the house, three houses and four fences. I don't care. But the point is, is that's not you and I's purpose and plan. It can be a benefit. You know, in Timothy it says that, that God has given us richly all things to enjoy. So certainly we can enjoy wealth. However, our planning and, and our, our vision and looking ahead ought to go so much, ought to be other things first and those things as benefits later. Here's the orders he's given. Go therefore, it means, uh, really if you look in the original, you'll find that the meaning is having gone then. It's already a foregone assumption with the Master that you guys already went. Having gone then, as you're on your way going, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go. We're going to disciple the nations. That's not convert them. That's disciple them. Show them the way to go. Show them. Verse 20, teaching them to observe. That means to keep or to guard everything I have commanded you. And look, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus gives His final instruction and then He ends it with, I'm with you in it. Remember he said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. That's because his head's in the yoke with you. You're yoked up with him. So evangelizing to your neighbor, evangelizing to the uttermost part of the world is not a complicated process. It's really, really simple. All you have to do is lift up Jesus. I'm telling you, it's that simple. Lift up. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. You don't have to wow and bedazzle your neighbor or the person that you're telling the good news to. All you have to do is say, Jesus is good. Here's what He did for me. Here's what He's already made available for you. Just lift up Jesus. And He will do the pulling and the drawing and the bringing them unto Himself. So, Don't make it complicated. Don't give them 12 hoops to jump through and four creeds to repeat. Make it simple. Jesus is alive. Right? Jesus is alive. He's been resurrected. And He is alive today. And if you believe that, well then, hallelujah. I'm going to invite Apostle Dale to come up and... Apostle Dale, for those of you that are newer here or might not realize it, he's the one who is the founder of this church. And starting all the way many years ago in Titusville, Pennsylvania, and in other communities around, they had several churches there. And then in uh, 2005, 2006, the Lord asked 
Apostle Dale to come, asked, I said, to start a church here. And so in obedience to the Lord, he did that. And so I believe that not only is it um, appropriate, I, I think it's necessary that we hear from the apostle of this church, the one that the Lord put the vision into his heart in the beginning, and I'd like for him to take 10-15 minutes, speak to us this morning about the vision that was originally started, which is the Great Commission, right? About missions. You know, we are a mission organization. That's what the church is. Amen? Amen. Yeah, all right. Come. Okay. Well, good morning. I, uh, I'm really blessed and honored, and I appreciate the pastor asking me to share. And uh, when I went to the Lord, because uh, the first time he asked me to share, he said, why don't you share about what you're going to be doing? When I went to the Lord, I really felt impressed to share about what I've done, uh, or not what I've done, what the Lord has done. In, in the beginning, and that's exactly what uh, he affirmed this morning. You see, because in the beginning, Terry and I uh, started early, and we didn't really know what we were doing. You know, we, we got swept up in the, the last wave of the charismatic movement and, you know, just kind of got pushed into ministry. I, I remember as I started preaching when I was 16, I'd meet people and they'd say, well, when, you know, and I was in my early 20s then, people would say, well, when did you enter the ministry? And I, and I stopped and realized I never saw a, a, a line. I just got saved and got busy. I, I, didn't know it, I didn't really know there was, you know, this line to cross, you know. It's like one, one guy back then, I remember he got saved in a park by somebody giving him a track, and they gave him a, a, a New Testament, and they said, you know, read, start reading here. Maybe you ought to start reading, you know, in John. And uh, let's meet uh, on Monday. This was on a Friday. Let's meet on Monday and we'll, we'll go over what you've read. So he just read the New Testament. He said, I go to school and they give you a book. You read it, right? So I show up on Monday and I've read the whole Bible. And, you know, the whole New Testament. Nobody told him you couldn't. Don't let people tell you what, what you, you, know, you know, you can't do that. It's, it, it, it's like you said, it's what God calls you to do. He gives you the power to do it. The question is in finding out what he calls you to do. Because we do the wrong things in the power of the flesh. And that's why prayer is so important. I didn't know about missions. I didn't know anything about missions. I really, when I was 1987, I, I, I mean, my Lord, I had a couple Bible studies in a church. And I thought, you know, that's just my life. You know, I never even dreamed of that I would even preach in Ohio or New York and thought if one day I did, that'd be something. And I'm just being serious, you know. I'm just, I was young and I, I, I then, but I had a heart and I was hungry for Jesus like you are. And Bob Hawk and I went and prayed and got some fasting together. And, 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 and when we left, there was a supernatural thing happened. And not to make, make a, a long story longer, I had a divine appointment with a missionary, a young, a young man trying to raise funds to get on the mission field, actually. He had been a pastor. He'd never been into missions. He had a big family. He'd been abandoned by his denomination. And I was in a place where I had some money in my pocket. And how can we preach the gospel 
for the thousandth time to people who've already heard when there are people who haven't even heard it once. And the Lord had me give an offering. And I really believe we're involved in all these flags because the seeds keep going. Like Pastor said the last time I heard him preach, the corn you're going to eat this year, that, that started in the Garden of Eden. Jesus told his disciples, he said, you're entering into the labor of others. And, and that's where the fruit is. You're going to you receive the harvest where others have labored. Well, I ended up, because I met this guy and gave him an offering. Again, I didn't know about missions. I didn't subscribe to any missions magazine, or I hadn't gone to Bible school. I didn't know anything about missions. I just knew this guy needed something. The Lord told me to give it to him. And then he invited me to the Philippines. And I ended up at 23 preaching to an unreached tribal group, about 80 people, naked. And they all got saved. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. When I came home, they had to tell me it was an unreached tribal group because I didn't know what an unreached tribal group meant. Now that, maybe some of you don't know, so we're in the same boat. I didn't realize this was like the epitome of a missionary's life and God just did it first time out. <laughs> and, you, and you realize it's not you, right? It's not, it's not you. It's the Lord. We don't want it to be us. We don't want it to be the flesh. And I, I remember praying when the, the missionary gave me the privilege. See, what happened is he'd spent two years cultivating relationships, building disciples, and then he made it an ultimatum. He said, you can't graduate from our Bible school until you start a church or a mission project, and it has to be approved by me. And so he had all these guys, and he had one guy that knew he'd heard about these villagers, not, not, or, or tribal people living in the mountains with blow darts, you know, l running around naked. And so he went up and made multiple contacts with them by beating a stick on a tree. And he'd done all this labor, several, six or eight trips. And then I get to go in and preach the first sermon. They'd never preached to them. They just got them all gathered. And I got the privilege of other men's labors so i can go around and say i preached to an unreached tribal group and they all got saved and it started a church yeah well remember you 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 build on other men's labors right and i remember when the missionary said you know i'm gonna have the lord told me to have you speak tomorrow and i could tell it upset him because <laughs> it was his student that went into the mountains but he obeyed the lord you know i'd have been fine just sitting there watching it all happen you know but I got to preach it. So the night before, you know, I'm in, sleeping in the grass, wondering how would I get on the side of the mountain and thanking the Lord that the piranhas didn't get me when I went swimming, you know. And, and I said, Lord, what do I say to these people who have never heard the gospel? Complete, completely unprepared, all right? Here's, here's, I just really feel this needs to be sown today. You don't have to be so well prepared. You simply have to be available. He'll prepare you. And the Lord gave me the sermon. So I stood up and I said, I've been sent from the God of all the earth, the creator of all that there is. And to tell you that God doesn't live in the tree. God doesn't live in the rock. 
God doesn't live in the river. God doesn't live in the mountain. He wants to live in your heart, in your physical body. God wants to come and live in you. And that in a far other land, he sent his son. And I just shared the gospel message. And, and they all got saved. And then for three days, the missionary and this other guy sat there and asked me what books I had read. And how did I know these people were animists? I didn't even know they were animists. I didn't know what an animist was. I didn't know animism is, is, is a belief that God lives in a rock, that God lives in a tree. I just knew a God who's the creator who spoke to me and so, told me what to say. Do you, maybe God knew they were animists. What do you think? Now, I'm not, obviously, I'm not saying that to be derogatory to, towards those that study, and we should, right? But we should not forget that if God calls you, he's going to provide. And in that one seed, I believe it continues that, that God has the world on his heart. That if God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, who are we to think that he would not give us? There's not a person in here. Even though we understand that the Lord loves us like he loves Jesus. There's not a person in here that doesn't know Jesus has a special place in the Father's heart. Right? And if he was willing to give Jesus, is he willing to give me? Yeah, he is. You know, most recently he really ministered to me and touched my heart when I was having some hard times. And the Lord said, you know, I never wanted this for you but I've always wanted you for them. And I saw it so clearly. As Paul said, you know, I want to be an offering of the Lord. It's fine for me to be poured out wine and broken bread. I'm yours, Lord. But you're mine. Amen. And everything we have and everything we've got. So when I was at that point, uh, from the very beginning, the Lord said, call this church the Word International. Because you always have to keep the world first. See, I had just started a new church and was looking for a name. I didn't have a name. I honestly, in the beginning, didn't like the name. But I submitted to the Lord. Church of the Word International because it's always the word first or the world first. And then he showed it by demonstration because he had told me that. And then within two hours, I met the missionary and then ended up on the mission field went in an unreached tribal group to the Lord, and then you take the steps and you, and you go further. When I came back, the Lord began to deal with me that uh, it's not the New Testament method to just start a church, but to start many churches. And uh, so we ended up, uh, uh, because we had given away a church, it's a long story, my wife and I got convicted by a book we read called Reese Howell's Intercessor, and there was strife between two churches in our city. And so the Lord said, if you're going to walk in love, you're going to be the one who takes the first step. So give your church to him. So we gave a church to another church to stop strife. And we got revival. And I stayed on as an assistant pastor. And people got blessed. And the church exploded. And then I, I, I went out to start another church about 30 miles away. And, and uh, the day after we started the sec- this, this new church... Uh, a pastor in another city came and gave me his church. He had some problems and literally walked up with a box of checks and corporate papers and said, here, it's yours, I'm gone. Had already had his wife and him and all had their furniture packed, just left town. 
I showed up on Sunday and said, I'm your new pastor. And here's my constitution. (laughs) It was crazy. But you know, you sow a seed, you reap. So now I got two churches, long, 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 way long before uh, satellite services and, and live streaming. And I mean, I don't know how to multiply myself. How can I be in two places at once? But Jesus foresaw that by a word called discipleship. How do you multiply yourself? And so we began to realize that with two churches, you have to have more leadership and it puts a demand on you to create leadership. And we saw leaders rise up. Then we had three churches. And it's like, wow. And I was crying out to God because it was still, uh, uh, I got about two more minutes. I think if I'm looking at this thing, right? Uh, I was crying out to God, how do I do this? You know, because it, it just breaks all the patterns. I got a really nice scathing letter from another minister who told me I was of the devil. And I'm in pride and all this stuff. You know, everyone, no, nobody really helping you. And I was teaching some students out in the forest in a youth with a mission base. You ever hear a youth with a mission? Youth, youth with a mission means young people without any money. And, and I, we would go out and we would teach at this base and, you know, people would show up. And it was wintertime in Titusville. It was, it was already dark and I'm getting, driving through the forest to get to this base that you can't hardly get to. And there's a car up off really off on its side into the ditch with the blinkers on it was a it was a uh, 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 station wagon and so I pull over to see if I can help him and I get up there and there's a husband and a wife and I think just one or two kids at the time two kids and here's he looks like an Indian well he is he's a Choctaw Indian from California who'd just been in Argentina working as a second in command and in a huge revival that had brought nearly a million people into the into the kingdom and his name was Stephen Horning. And so I bundled him up, and he ended up spending the night in our house. He was a missionary looking for a YWAM base so he could have a place to sleep. So Terry and I kind of adopted, adopted them. And I took him, I'll never forget, I took him to breakfast the next day to Perkins. And I'm sitting there. And he says, well, tell me your vision. And I told him what God had done to me by th- dropping these churches on me, and I didn't know what to do. And he starts laughing. He says, that's what I've been doing for the last seven years. And he goes over how God had hit revival in Argentina. And there was such a revival that, that churches just started popping up in villages and cities. He said, we had, one, we had one revival in one city where thousands of people came to the Lord. And there was only one person that could read. So we made him the pastor. He was a 15-year-old boy. We gave him a Bible and said, stand up in the pulpit and just read the book of Romans. Just stand up and read the book of John. That's all he could do. It could read, but he had a thousand people in his church. And so they went from city to city. So for for years, Stephen would be in his home church Sunday morning. Then he would teach his leaders at night. Then he would get in the car and drive to the next city and have church on Monday morning. That city didn't have church on Sunday. They had church on Monday morning. And then on Monday, he'd teach the leaders. And then he'd get in his car and he'd drive to the next city. And that city had church on Tuesday morning. And he did that all week long so he could pastor all these churches. And on Saturday, he got Saturday off. But he had all these churches. What are you going to do? Because there's people that need Jesus, right? So what, why, what, 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 can we do that in America? Well, probably wouldn't do it exactly like that. But you don't need to limit yourself from doing what God tells you to do. Amen. Amen. 
Well, I've said enough, but I think that lays the landmark that from the very beginning, we didn't start a church. The Lord told me, and it's been in our mission statement, CWI, Church of the Word International, is a missionary organization actively planting churches in the northeastern United States and into the world. That's who we are. It's in our DNA. And we're going to build on that. Amen? Is that good, Pastor? Yes. Did I do yes. what I needed to do? Yes. All right, well, come on back, or I'll keep going. <laughs> Thank you. You can hand that to Jana. She'll be up here in a moment. But thank you for that and bringing some foundation to us and how we began. And See, we started two years ago doing something that we called was Mission Sunday every month. And the last Sunday of the month is a time where we gather all the offerings that people are wanting to support missions around the world. And we run those through Church of the Word International. 100% of it goes to the places they're designated to. We don't keep any of it. And um, the reason for doing that together rather than just individually sending it out all over the world is because it's extremely encouraging when you and I sit together and we look at what we did together rather than just the small number I did alone. But when we put it all together, it's like, wow, that made a significant difference in the world. And so the Lord put it on my heart to, to do that on the last Sunday of every month. And, and honestly, you can put that mission offering into any Sunday's offering. Just make sure it's always designated where you want it to go. Or just our general mission fund and we'll send it out somewhere. And um, so that was two years ago. Well, we decided then that what we really needed to do was once a year have what we call our annual mission Sunday. And that's what today is. And so we look back at the prior year from one year ago and say, okay, what did we do in the last year and what is the Lord putting on our heart to do going forward in the next year? And so later in the service, you'll have some papers and, and we'll be able to look at that together and go over that. But this morning, because it is Mission Sunday and we've looked at how we, how we got here, how we started, I want to now invite um, Jana Mirabella from... Kurdistan, Iraq, to come, and it's such a treat to have her with us this morning of all mornings, our, our Missions Sunday, and uh, she's going to share a little bit about what they've been doing in Iraq, and um, many of you have been a part of the work there through your finances and enabling them every month and as they go out and do their work, so she's going to talk to us and show us a video, so turn your hearts open to receive again. Good morning. <laughs> Um, Chawani, that's hello in, in uh, Kurdish. <laughs> uh, how are you in Kurdish? Um, it's such a blessing to be here this morning. And um, we were here about a year ago. And my husband and the kids, they're back in Iraq, except for Savara, who's um, going to be graduating in, in about a week in Florida from a, a school of worship. But um, she had mentioned about one of her kids, you know, really liking the scenery of, you know, like... Um, brown grass and rocks and stuff like that. You know, they have a lot of that in Kurdistan, so maybe one of your kids should come join us there. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we live in Iraq, and for those of you that don't know, we used to live in Turkey, um, beautiful Turkish flag over there, and, um, but now we're in Iraq, and just a couple of things, I don't know if you guys know, but um, 
ancient Mesopotamia was in this region. And it, Mesopotamia covers, you know, like the northern part of, of Iraq and the southeastern part of Turkey and parts of Syria and parts of, of Iran. And we really don't feel like the, the Lord's called us just to one specific nation, but actually to that region. And um, at the beginning of the year, as, uh, as we were praying, we felt like the Lord wanted us to start an NGO, um, which is a non-governmental organization. In, in Iraq, you have to be underneath an NGO in order to get um, a visa or a residency permit. And so we've been underneath a different one, and we felt like he said, you know, to start one, and the name of it is going to be, or is, Mesopotamia Frontiers International, because, you know, we really feel called to that region. Um, and so just pray, you know, that's actually why I'm here and why my husband's back there. As I came, I have different papers that need to be notarized and apostolized and different things. Um, and so I came about a week ago, and the first day, I got two out of the three documents done, but I'm waiting for the other one to come in the mail. So pray that it comes so I can get them done and be able to get back to my family. Um, they send their love to you. And, um, yeah, so another thing about, you know, there in northern Iraq where we are, you know, this Mesopotamia region, they actually claim that the Garden of Eden was there. And Mesopotamia means, you know, um, it, it's the land between the two rivers. And so the Tigris and the Euphrates, you know, is right there. In Turkey, they say the same thing because we, we used to live in Turkey. Um, but basically right there in that region, you know, somewhere. And Saddam Hussein actually built one of his palaces near one of these rivers. He has a couple of different palaces. So if you come to visit, we could take you to one of, one of, his, uh, one of his palaces. Um, a couple other little facts. Um, the Tower of Babel was there. Um, Abraham was born in Ur, which is in southern Iraq. Um, Rebecca came from a, a village that's near um, Haran. Jacob worked for, for a whole bunch of years, you know, for his wife, Rachel. And Jonah, you know, he preached there in Nineveh. So the plains of Nineveh are just like 20 minutes away. And um, if you guys come, you know, we could show you that. And actually, Mosul is, is modern-day Nineveh. And this is where, you know, ISIS had come through. Um, and just how amazing that, you know, years ago, you know, Jonah didn't want to go to these people, but God told them to go. These people, you know, were heathens and they repented, you know, and they, they turned back to God and just how beautiful, you know, these, these people. And we just really believe that again, you know, God wants to do something, you know, in that land and draw these people to him. Um, there's also, you know, a, a lot of people that were held captive there, um, from the southern kingdom of Judah and just different times in history. And even Esther, you know, she, that long time ago, Holocaust, you know, she was, God was able to use her to save these people, you know, from that. And, um, and just really believe, you know, even with Esther being there, when, when we were in Turkey before we came there, we felt like the Lord, the one thing that he said was, for such a time as this, you know, if you ever read the book of Esther, you know, that's one of the things, you know, for such a time as this. And I just really believe that in the midst of all of these crazy things that are happening, you know, like ISIS has come through, um, people, you know, are living underneath fear because it's a Muslim nation. And now with this coronavirus, you know, they have fear, you know, a lot of them don't have this hope in Jesus like we have. And so, you know, they're just living underneath this. But in the midst of all of this, really believe that now is a time where God is wanting to draw these people to himself. 
And um, we're just so excited about the doors that he's been opening these last two years. In August, it would be two years since we've been there. We're just so excited about the doors that he's opening. We've been able to get into Syria two times to go and, um, and bless these ISIS orphans and um, go into villages, you know, of, of Christians. Like, you know, years ago when that genocide happened in Armenia, there was a lot of Christians that, that were escaping from Turkey, and they came to this part, you know, to, to Iraq. And now there's, you know, ancient day, like there's Assyrians and Chaldeans, and they actually speak the language that Jesus spoke. You know, they speak Aramaic. That, that's their language. Like a pastor that we have nearby who um, brought some food to Stephen because he hurt his back, you know, like they speak this ancient language. Like he doesn't even know Kurdish, you know, and we live in Kurdistan. <laughs> so it's just, you know, the whole thing with the Tower of Babel, there's so many different languages, you know, there's, there's Kurdish and Arabic and, you know, different kinds of Kurdish. And, um, and so in the midst of all of this, we know that these people, they need Jesus. You know, these people need a hope. And just want to just ask that you guys would pray with us for these people, that they would find him. You know, that their eyes would be open to the truth about who Jesus is. Because that's really the only way that this fear is going to leave. You know, that's the only way that they're going to have this hope is, is by finding Jesus. Um, and so I just want to show you a quick video um, before I come back up and share a couple more things. That has to do with the Yazidi. So that's another group of people that live inside of Kurdistan. Um, they're not Christian. They're not Muslim. Their religion is Yazidi. And these people, you're, you're born into being Yazidi. And this is one of the reasons why ISIS came in um, is because they're trying to purify the land of everybody that's not Muslim. And so they want, that's why Christians escaped, you know, and, because they're trying to kill, you know, the Yazidi and they're trying to kill the different minority groups. Um, and so these, these Yazidi people, I'll just say something really fast before it starts. Um, man, I pressed start, but it didn't go. I don't know how many minutes I have left. <laughs> um, these Yazidi people, they, you know, they're, they're born into being Yazidi. And so you can't convert to become a Yazidi. And so what happens is, is, is when ISIS came and captured a lot of these women and captured, you know, a lot of these um, young girls, a lot of people were killed. There's mass graves where, where people were just thrown into the graves. Um, but women, you know, were abused when they were in Syria. And so these little babies that were born, in order for these women to be accepted back to, into the community, they had to leave their babies. And so many of them just left their babies in these orphanages, the, ones that, uh, the one that we were able to go to in Syria. And um, some of them that came across, they also had, you know, to leave their babies. Some of them are actually, they actually left their babies to die. Just really, really sad. Um, but... These, these women, um, you know, they've gone through a lot of traumatic things. And the Lord opened the door for us to do a little outreach, you know, bringing some food to them. And um, so we'll just show that really fast. The commission has two war crimes cases ready for prosecution. They're related to ISIS's assault on Sinjar, home to Iraq's Yazidi minority. Thousands were captured men executed, women enslaved and raped. And ISIS boasted about it. This 2014 video purportedly shows ISIS militants joking about buying and selling Yazidi women. $300, this fighter says, 
but he'll pay more if she is younger. I know it's all you've got to just be strong. We thank the Lord for this opportunity to be able to show Christ's love in a practical way by bringing food for these ISIS survivors. Testimony has been critical. Dozens of rescued Yazidis have been interviewed by investigators. And as the caliphate crumbles, survivors emerge. An emotional return to where she was captured and enslaved three years ago. Many of these Yazidi survivors struggled to find their place in society once again. Some of them had to leave their babies in Syria when crossing the border. Many of them shared about family members that are still missing. Heavy from those nights. But just remember that you are a fighter, a fighter. You never know just what tomorrow holds. And you're stronger than you know. You're stronger than you know. was my son Josue at the end um, that shared that, that scripture verse. Um, you know, one of the things with everything that's happening during this time, um, there's a scripture verse in Psalm 16, 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. 
And so in the midst of all of these different things that's happening politically, you know, economically, you know, here and in different parts of the world, people can't find their satis satisfaction in the normal things that they would find it in, you know, maybe like sports or, or different things. And I feel like the Lord is using this as a time to strip people, to strip these different things away where people need him. You know, we need him. And I want to encourage each one of us, you know, as, as we're talking about different things that has to do with revival, throughout history when you read, you know, it, it started by people. It wasn't, it wasn't important who the name of the person was. A lot of the people, you know, were people that were uneducated, that, you know, got on the horse and went around and, you know, left everything behind. And other people who, you know, in South Africa, like the, the father was there praying for like 20 to 30 years and his son, you know, like they saw revival happen. And, and the, Rel the Welsh and the Azusa, you know, the Azusa one where they're just sitting inside of this room where nothing was important. Like the person, the people didn't even want this guy to be, you know, a pastor. And it was like, he, the Lord provided this, this place, you know, and then from there, from those 10 days of prayer, they got this church and, and any given day, there was people from 20 different nations, you know, that were there present. And I just feel like in the middle of all this political and all these different things that are happening, it's such a time for us to turn our eyes to him. You know, set the Lord before you. Don't be looking to the right. Don't be looking to the left. Don't let the waves of all this political things be something that's going to pull you down or distract you. But let's let this be a time where we chase after him. And it says in Proverbs 4.23, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You know, guard your heart. Don't let the media and all the things on the news be something that's going to overwhelm you or make, you know, make you worry. You know, even when we're back there in Iraq, you know, you need to guard your heart. And um, it, um, one of the things in Luke 9, 23, I'm almost done. It says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his, his cross daily and follow me. And when you see throughout history people that completely gave their lives to him. It wasn't about themselves. You know, Jesus gave 100%. And if we want to see, you know, this city change, we want to see the state change, this nation, and the world change, you know, it's about completely denying ourselves daily, you know, and saying, God, have your way. Have your way in me and have your way in the people around me and being obedient. And it's not about, you know, compromising or being lethargic, you know, but it's a time of, of just saying, you know what, God, I am completely in. So have your way so that we can see this nation and we can see lives change. Amen? Now is a time. It looks like a crazy time, but it's actually a beautiful time where people, they can't rely on these different things. But now is a time where they're going to find Jesus. And actually the other day when I was driving on the radio, the person said 3,000 people since the coronavirus gave their lives to Jesus just through this radio station. And, you know, there's testimonies that things happening in Iraq, things happening here, things happening in different parts of the world, where because of this, they're coming to the Lord. So thank you so much for your prayers. Thank you for, for just standing with us and everything that's happening there in Kurdistan and in different parts of the world. And um, we love you. Thank you. So if we could very quickly have our ushers pass out two papers that we have uh, printed up for you. And um, 
while, you, uh, while they're passing those papers out, once you have them, we'll go over them together and we're going to have to move quickly because we have a, a distance to go yet. <clears throat> the one paper with um, talks about what we have done this past year and the other paper is about what we will do. So take the one that is talking about what we've done the past year and <clears throat> be inspecting that one and as they uh, get them passed out we will we'll go over those numbers together. You know, one can put a thousand to flight, but two, don't allow the paper to distract you, listen to what I'm saying, two can put ten thousand to flight. So there is a multiplication that takes place when you put two people side by side that one person is just unable to do by themselves. And so that's what happens when we come together in obedience to the Word of God, in obedience to the mandate to go and make disciples. And one of the ways that we do that is by supporting those that have gone. You know, Jesus said in John 13, right after He washed the disciples' feet, He made the statement, He said, the messenger, that's the one that's sent, the word messenger is, is literally the word apostle, the sent one is not greater than the one who sent them. And so the reason I, I say that or quote those words of Jesus is so that you understand the importance of the sender. That as you enable those people that have gone, the sent ones, that you have a part in what is happening in those regions. Alright, does everybody have uh, the first paper? If you look up towards the top of the paper, it says, Together the two numbers below reflect 30% of CWI's uh, gross revenue during the fiscal year of July 28, 2019 to July 19, 2020. So here are, um, the first line is uh, benevolence, alms, member support, and um, I guess we could say gifts would be included in that. That was... $18,463 is what we did in the last year. The prior year for comparison was $12,000. The next line, the missions, the guest ministers, the special giving projects that went all around the world. Um, that number is $137,685. And last year by comparison, we sent out $109,500. So you can see a significant jump in that. And if you look at the, uh, those two numbers together are $156,148. So that is a very significant, this being 30% of our gross, uh, just so you know, that completely is outside of what's normal in churches. Like far outside of what's normal in churches. So be encouraged with that. If you'll look on down a little bit further, of that total, $86,577 is what came in as in designated offerings in our for missions, alms, all these places, the guest ministers. That's how much came in. The additional $69,571 is simply what we just took out of our general fund here at Church of the Word and sowed into this work around the world. We believe, you and I believe, very, very much in the gospel going forth, in the work that's being done. 
And it's evident by what you do with your finances. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, He said, Don't collect for yourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and corona does not steal. It doesn't say that, I added that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as we put our treasure into the nations of the world, there's where our heart is. And so I encourage you to continue doing uh, exactly that. In uh, Proverbs 11.25, it says, The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And so we are not only refreshing, but enabling that work that's going on around the world. Now, if you look at the rest of that page, and on the back side of the page is a list of places where all that money has gone to. Now, I want to point out something important here. We have not had a building program per se. Uh, what we have, but it's here. It's this. And our building program has simply been putting the work of the kingdom first and foremost in establishing and supporting those that have gone around the world, starting right here at home, places like CityGate, places that where you and I have together said, okay, we're going to make this a priority in our life. And what the Lord does when we do that is just like it says the generous will be blessed, we have been extremely blessed. In the last year alone, we've been able to set aside $100,000 towards a building. Above and beyond all of this and everything else that's been going on. Just excess that has come in that the Lord has brought in. Uh, we had some significant uh, large donations that came in and we were able to set those aside for our future building that we're going to need, uh, do need, very quickly. So what I want to uh, encourage you in is don't lose sight of what the Lord has promised. You know, His promises that... The one that blesses will be blessed are 100% true. And this is witness to that. Witness to it. The next paper that you'll see here is dated today, July 26, 2020. It's our Mission Alms Sunday 2020. And what this paper is, is what we've been doing is taking time together. And we just take a few moments. We silence ourselves. We listen to the number that the Lord is putting on our hearts and what we can believe God to do in the coming year. The total number that we can do. And what this is, is, is not this paper here you're going to fill out, and then we're going we're gonna to count up the total number and give that at the end of the service, and then all the papers get thrown away. So this is what we call a faith promise between you and the Lord. So it's by faith as the Lord enables you. Nobody's calling you, nobody's checking in with you, have you done what you and the Lord agreed on, all these things, none of that. This is between you and the Lord. The, sim the simple thing, the reason we count all the number up that on all our collective papers so that together we can say, okay, here's our goal for next year and here's what we're going to believe God to be able to do corporately together in the next year. So this last year we did $156,148 together and I believe that uh, there's a lot more. And let's say it this way, when you go visit one of these nations, one of these flags that are on the wall, you'll come home, you go with the knowledge that there's a lot to be done.
but you come home with the knowledge there's a lot more than I realized to be done. Each and every time I go somewhere and into a new nation, you know, it's easy to, to not think about places you've not been, right? Because you have no frame of reference. But when you come and you come home and you realize, wow, there is such a vast number of souls there that simply do not know the truth. There's so much more to be done than I even realized. And so uh, I believe that while $156,000 is extremely significant, I believe there's so much more the Lord wants to do through us. And so what, what we're going to do is just take a moment, read over this paper. I'll read it. Let's read it together. It says, please take time and pray about this decision before completing. As God enables me, so it's not in your own strength, right? As God enables me, I make a faith promise for missions or alms at CWI in the coming year of... August 2020 through July 2021 in the total amount of, that's the the total for the year. And then you can write down that it's going to be given monthly or weekly or as a one-time gift, however you are going to believe God to be able to accomplish that. If you write, then down below we have something written here. It says if you write something down in this card that your flesh is super comfortable with, God probably didn't have much to do with it. How many know that God is always looking to expand us and, and to go from glory to glory and faith to faith? So there's no arrival point where you go, okay, I've gone far enough, Lord. We're done. We've accomplished. We're just going to sit now. Um, that, would be, that would be now serving something other than God. What God tells us will usually make your flesh pretty uncomfortable. And then three things here. Remember, this is a faith promise. Okay. This is solely between you and the Lord as He enables you. Let's say that together. This is between me and the Lord as He enables me. This is not between you and man or you and I or, or anything else. What I like to do is I like to, for my wife and I, I like to pray. I want her to pray. And then we both come together and, you know, I feel like this is a number the Lord put in my heart and and a lot of times there's a confirmation there. Sometimes I go, wow, your faith is so much bigger than mine. Okay, I'm going to hook up with that, right? And so uh, I encourage you to do that, check in with each other. That way you're not writing down um, um, double the amount, both on your own paper. So as a spouse, you can do one paper if you're sitting together. And, um, and then sign it, and then we're going to pass it in. And you can make your signature be as sloppy as you want. I don't care. It's your signature between you and the Lord. All that we're interested in then is the total amount there that they're gonna, the ushers will add up and bring back to us in a moment. So let's, let's take a moment and pray. Father, I thank you that you know and see all things. You are the great enabler. So I ask you by the, your spirit, Lord, to put in our heart what you would have us do in this coming year with our finances when it comes to bringing the gospel to the whole world.
once the Lord has given you something, um, go ahead and write it down there, and then um, you can fold the uh, papers in half and pass them into the uh, middle aisle. You can pass those papers into the uh, center aisle and uh, they'll pick them up and tally those for us in a moment. While you're passing those papers in, I want to read to you a uh, thank you note that I got from Sky and Noel Barkley. They've just been with us recently. It says, Dear Church of the Word International and Pastor Sydney, we wanted to send you a handwritten note once again just to express our gratitude and love for your church and pastor. Thank you for being a church of action in love for the Lord and to build the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining our team, ministry, and mission. Thank you for all the financial support. May God continue to bless and guide you all in Jesus' name. God bless you all, Noel and Sky. All right, while our ushers are putting that together, um, I'm going to ask our ushers to also bring and put a basket beside the door. And then as you go, because we're, we're running short on time, uh, as you go, you can put your missions offering into the basket. Just make sure that you are designating it where you want it to go. If it's not designated, then it'll just go into our general mission fund. And uh, we will disperse it as, as needs arise. And uh, if you do need an uh, envelope for your giving this morning, just raise your hand real high and hold it up until the ushers see you and they'll bring an envelope to you. And um, you can make out your checks to CWI your, uh, or debit card information, things like that. Last week we had a debit card uh, come through with everything filled out but no amount. Now you can do that. Um, <laughs> But I would recommend that you actually write in the amount you want because maybe we'll put something in that's bigger than you intended. People of faith in this house. Here in, uh, in Matthew 6, I'll read to you. This is Jesus goes on speaking. And he says, This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Or we could add in here about your house, where you will live, or about your car, what you will drive, right? All these earthly things that we need. And Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? 
Learn how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't He do much more for you? You of little faith? Now, this is very comforting. Someone say much more. Much more for you, even when you have little faith. That part's comforting to me, because sometimes I feel like I have great faith. Other times I feel like it's not so great. It's a little. But he's saying, for you of little faith, he'll do much more. So what could he do if we just rise up in faith? He goes on, he says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Now verse 33, here's where it gets real. But seek first, everyone say first. Seek first the kingdom of God. That'd be the the king's domain where he rules and reigns, where his will and purpose is accomplished. Seek first the king's domain and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so, here we have a promise that as we make ourselves, as we go about the Father's business, and um, as we go about the Father's business, He will certainly multiply and increase the things that concern us as well. All right, we have uh, an offering basket in the back for when you go out. We're going to just hold you for a moment until they bring in a number for us. And... um, What is your question? For the alms basket? Yes. So, as you know, we have been putting an alms basket out in the back in the lobby. And what that is for is for if anyone is needing some money and you you have something that there's a need in your life, help yourself out of that alms basket. And um, for those of you that the Lord has blessed with excess, put something into it to help each other out. Let's be that church, the body of Christ, looking and caring for one another. Take a hold of your uh, missions offering and let's pray over it. Father, we thank you for your generosity to us and that you have given us seed to sow, that you've multiplied our bread as you've promised, and that you bring it back to us wave upon wave. Father, we recognize that you are our source and we act upon that covenant of prosperity that you have placed for us. And Lord, we, we give to you what rightfully belongs to you. But Lord, we, we give to you and, and sow into the kingdom of light. And we expect, Lord, that these finances will go and accomplish your purposes. That they'll accomplish what you desire. And that the places that they go into cause them to prosper and expand and grow. And that the testimony of Jesus would prevail in every place. That these, these finances go in Jesus' name and amen. All right, do we have a total yet? Tell them to count quickly. Yes. Not yet, okay. So, um, 
It, it's in Second Chronicles, and it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And just with everything that's happening, you know, as we come and as we're praying, we're going to see stories of, of people getting healed, you know, people getting healed even from COVID, you know, from these different things. We're going to see stories of this. And the world is going to look and be like, wow, who is this God that they serve, you know? And so just really want to encourage you, like um, uh, Dale, uh, Apostle Dale was talking about and, and Pastor Sidney, you know, so important, you know, to humble yourself and to pray. You know, it might seem like something like, oh, my goodness, you know, going and, and praying, you know. I'm telling you, there is something in, in obedience as you take that time to come before the Lord and pray. Nations will be shaken. This nation will be shaken. Yes. And there's something so powerful when you come together, you know, to pray. There's something so powerful. So just want to encourage you with that. Thank you. Sorry. His faithfulness to a thousand generations. You realize that since Adam, there's only been about 144. So we've quite a ways to go yet even to reach a thousand. So if the Lord's faithfulness will go that far, we've just gotten started into it. It's still brand new promise. All right, so this number is what we're going to corporately believe the Lord for, that the Lord's going to do it through you and I. All right, so last year what people gave in, designated for offerings, as I had written down, was 86,577. This next year, now that wasn't the total that was given, but that was what was designated. Now, this year, we're going to believe for $124,620.50. All right? And the Lord is well able to do it. As He enables you, well, certainly He could enable us to do anything. So this is an easy thing. We're going to run to victory. All right? Run to victory. All right, one way we love God is by loving one another. So as you go, rejoice with one another, encourage each other. Be the church. Good morning, Church of the Word International. Hello, beautiful family. Oh. You know, summertime takes us away with ministry, with family vacations, work. But I, I think we all realize when we come back, there's no place like home. Amen. And you are home. Glory to God. It's so great to see each and every one of you today. God is so good. Our Father is so good. Do you tell him that all the time? Father, you're such a good father, a good, good father. And thank him. You know, in Romans 1, it talks about how to stay full of God. And the first step is glorifying him. In the midst of whatever you're going through, giving him the glory, because he's going to bring you through it every single time, right? God delivers us through every trial, every tri uh, situation. The second step is being thankful, giving him the glory and being thankful will keep you full of God. So let's stand up this morning as family today. Let's bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Let's bless the Lord. 
In Psalms 145, it said, I will exalt thee, my God, my King. I'll bless thy name forever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever. Because great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And greatness, his greatness is unsearchable. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. And men shall speak of the mighty and powerful I will declare the greatness of my God. See, that's what we're to do. We're going to give him glory and praise from our heart. Not from our mind, our head, but from our heart. Because that's where he lives and dwells. They shall utter abundant the memory of the great goodness of the Lord and shall sing of his righteousness. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known the sons of men his mighty acts and his glorious majesty of his kingdom. Let's put God in remembrance of all the wonderful things he's done for each and every one of us this morning. And let's be thankful. So we're going to do a congregational reading together. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. Yes. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. of God said this year we've killed our bears we've killed our lions but 2020 is a year for giants I think about the story of David when he saw his giant God had prepared his heart through the acts of faith of killing his bears and his lions probably many other that's not recorded but he looked at that giant and he called it uncircumcised he called it an enemy of his commander-in-chief his Lord and his Savior Jesus Christ and he ran toward that giant fearless knowing that God was with him he was not facing that alone he was going in the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. The tribes, the armies were equipped with spears and, and, and swords, but he had a stone. We're called living stones. Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, that mountain shall be removed. You don't need much. 
<laughs> Greater is he that lives within you than he that is in the world. Whatever you're facing, you are more equipped, more prepared, more supplied than, any, than ever, than all you need. You already have it. So church, arise and shine and run, 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 run toward your enemy. Run toward that lack. Run toward that sickness. Run toward whatever it is you're facing. Run fearless, fearlessly, knowing that the Lord, your God, is within you and beside you. To, your victory has been assured. You have overcome through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the word of your testimony, the sword of your spirit, arise and shine as you face. For the victory has already been won. Amen. Father, we just thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Just thank them right now. Use the sword of your spirit. You're a living stone. Thank him that it's already been done. You walk in the victory of the battle that Jesus won for you on the cross. And he ascended. Hallelujah. Father, we just give you all the praise. Church, stir yourself up. Stir yourself up. Arise and shine. Let the light of the Lord Jesus Christ just manifest through you. Let the Lord shine through you as you are running toward anything. All the enemies of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And let the word of the Lord come forth and obtain your victory. Amen. Well, one way we love God and that love has been shed abroad in each one of our hearts. It's not that you have to get it. It's there. It's by loving one another. Turn to your neighbor, your family, and tell them how much you love them. There's power in the love of God. Amen. Well, good morning, Church of the Word International. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. Many of you have been traveling, and so, as we've all been saying this morning, there's no place like home, so it's good to be back. Well, we'd like to welcome our guests at this time, so if you're here for the very first time, could you raise your hand so we can recognize you? Welcome to Church of the Word. Let's give them a clap. We trust that you're here, not by accident, but the, the Lord has something for you today. So um, the ushers will see that you get an information card, and if you have any prayer requests you'd like us to agree with you or anything like that, you can uh, fill that out, put it in the offering basket when it goes by. It's really good to be here. Um, I was sitting in the office yesterday. This may be ours. Sitting in the office yesterday, and I was just thinking about a conversation that we had in the car. One of my children brought up, you know, if you could live anywhere in the United States, where would you live? And so there was a discussion. Somebody was saying they liked brown grass and, and you know, just brown, rocky stuff and brown grass. They didn't like green. I don't know. Well, you know, so we're talking, okay, you know, beautiful mountains, you know, the tree-covered hills of the Ozarks. Some people like to be in near cities. And I'm thinking about all this. 
And when we had that conversation, I, I was just thinking about all the, the places my flesh likes, you know? And I'm sitting in the office and I realize, I feel, I mean, it's not a new realization, but it just confirmation. I'm home. I'm at peace here. I'm content here. Maybe my flesh didn't pick out the landscape, you know, but I'm at peace here. And I really felt like the Lord wanted me to say this this morning. It's for somebody. So if this is you, open your heart. That you can handpick your state. You can handpick your career to suit you. You can handpick your church. Maybe it's, they have a great youth group. Maybe they have great worship music. You can do all of that. But if it's not where God has directed you. If it's not what he's called you to, you will not walk in the fulfillment and peace of God. You will have a hole in your heart until you are walking in the fulfillment and in the full plan of God that he has for you. So don't tell your kids, oh, you can be whatever you want to be. You can go wherever you want to go. No, you tell them that, honey child, you can do whatever God has called you to do. He will enable you. He will help you to fulfill the plan he's, he's, he's prepared for you, no matter how big. But it's the one God's called you to. And somebody needed to hear that this morning. All right, now we can move on. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> well, if you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. The ushers will see that you get one. If you're giving by check, you can make it out to CWI. If you're giving by credit card, please do fill out all the blanks. There's a scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. It says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. There's some things that we need to know. There is one God, not many. There is one, Jehovah reigns supreme. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God. There's some things about this God we need to know. And I'm saying this in relation to our giving this morning, but it covers everything in life. He is the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with a particular group of people. With those who love him, and if you look up that word love, it's the, it's the love that uh, gives the idea of relationship. Friend, those who, are, who love him are in relationship with him and keep his commandments to thousand, a thousand generations. And if you think we're getting up against that, no, we're not. We're only, what, 144 generations from Adam? So, you know, we got, we're, he hasn't run out. So when you prepare, it's important that we know this when we go to return the tithe to him, when we, when we give our resources and finances to him, because we're acting on the covenant that was established with Abraham, the tithe covenant. We're acting on that. And, you know, he's commanded that we have no other gods before him, that we serve only him, that he be first in our life. And one way we demonstrate this, one way we demonstrate who our master is, is with a surrendered checkbook. See, not, not saying that, well, if I have anything in my checkbook, I'm not, it's not all his. No, it is all his. Or it is in our, we can have it in our bank account, but he has access to it. It's surrendered to him. If he would tap us on the shoulder and say, I want you to give this, we're willing to do it. So that we demonstrate who we serve when we surrender our resources to him. 
So I, I bring this up because it's important that we understand we serve a God who keeps covenant. So if, we're, if you're acting on the tithe covenant, if you're acting on his word that says, uh, seek his kingdom first, then we should believe that all the things the Gentiles are seeking after is added to us, that your needs are met, that the, that the blessing that comes to the tither is yours because he keeps his covenant. Amen? All right, let's release our faith that you're blessed and you're increased as we obey his word. Father, I just thank you so much for your goodness and your loving kindness towards us, your faithfulness that lasts for a thousand generations. So we thank you for the resources you've entrusted to us. We thank you for our income, and we just gladly return the tithe to you, and we expect you to keep your word because that's who you are. We just are so grateful, and we thank you in Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord.